So you want to know the ins and outs of managing your money. Well, lucky for you, you're just in time for another episode of Master Your Finances with certified financial planner professional, Kurt Baker. Kurt and his panel of experts are here for you and will cover topics from a legal and personal standpoint. They'll discuss tax efficiency, liability, owning, managing, and saving your money, and more. Master Your Finances is underwritten in part by Certified Wealth Management and Investment and Rider University. Rider offers continuing studies programs for adults who need flexibility. Want to add new skills to your resume? Take a continuing studies course at Ryder University. Now, let's learn how we can better change our habits with Kurt Baker. Good morning and welcome back to another edition of Master Your Finances presented by Certified Wealth Management and Investment. I'm Kurt Baker, a certified financial planner professional hosting a show today and my office is located here in Princeton, New Jersey. I can be reached through our website which is www.cwmi.us or you can call me directly at 609 609- 716-4700. Uh, last week, we had on uh, Michael uh, Deichel of Waterworld and Marketing. Uh, he's a, of Marketing and Operations, and we talked a lot about uh, the world water shortage and what they're doing uh, to assist with that. So if you missed that or any of our shows, you can go to www.masteryourfinances.us to listen to that show as well as this one shortly after uh, it's uh, aired. Uh, this week, we're very pleased to have with us uh, Ricardo Roman, uh, the director of association management for Caliper Management Inc., uh, is an employee, which is an employee assessment and talent management solutions company that helps businesses align talent with strategy, hire better people faster, and develop leaders, teams, and mission critical employees. Caliper partners with all types of organizations, industries, and sectors, from Fortune 500 companies to small businesses, and from government agencies to nonprofits. His primary mission is to build and maintain existing relationships with professional and trade associations and ensure that client teams and functional support teams work in coordination to advance the mission of trade association members. Ricardo also serves as both a human capital strategist and advisor to the associations in all areas of human capital management. Prior to assuming the role of director of association management, Ricardo was the director of partner success, helping business and management consulting firms develop their core deliverables by utilizing Caliper tools and techniques. Prior to joining Caliper Management, Ricardo served in a variety of leadership positions with the USAF Air Intelligence uh, Agency for 20 years. In uh, most of his recent role with the, the U.S. Air Force, he served as the director for U.S. Air Force Special Operations Support for the Joint Special Operations Command, where he provided leadership and oversight to large-scale Department of Defense missions in Central and South America uh, is influential in both uh, is fluent, excuse me, in both Spanish and Portuguese. And Ricardo earned his bachelor's degree from uh, SUNY and master's of business administration from Baruch College of uh, of SUNY. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. So uh, this after this uh, entire segment is over, uh, I'm sorry, but uh, it's a lot of those top secrets are going to have to come out. <laughs> we're going to some of you may be taken out. But no, no, Ricardo, we really appreciate you coming on. You've got a, quite a range of experience, and uh, so this is very interesting to me. So you start off, I guess, working in U.S. Air Force intelligence. So kind of tell me how, how first did you get involved in the United States Air Force? That's interesting. And then how did you kind of then from there um, come into being involved in Caliper, which is a little different, of course. But so. Absolutely, and that that's uh, that's one of the points I wanna I wanna talk about later. But uh, 
First of all, thank you for having me. It's a it's pl- it's a pleasure to be here with you. I know we've known each other for quite a few years through the Princeton Chamber, correct, and some yeah. other uh, members that we can't talk companies, about. right? Talk exactly. About <laughs> so it, it is a pleasure, and uh, hopefully um, this will be very informative for your audience. And you know, while while we we can be informative, we can also have fun. I hope, and I hope so. Um, so, so uh, to answer your first, qu- first question, um, you know, what what do you do as a kid graduating in uh, from uh, inner city school in Newark that was a uh, Barringer uh, back in you know 1980, uh, and you don't have really you know a lot of money in direction, if you will, right? So, uh, like most people, right, um, that come from the inner city, and a lot of them do join the military. Um, so I joined the military uh, back in 1980. Uh, as soon as I, I joined um, and they realized that I, uh, I was fluent in Spanish, um, they, they tagged me uh, for a special assignment. Uh, if, um, if you guys, if your audience recall, back in the 1980s, uh, there was a lot of things happening in Central America, a lot of things happening in South America, and a lot Great of imp- <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, a couple of things going on back in the eighties, <laughs> and, and a lot of things that were being illegally imported into the United States. <laughs> right, right, right. So, uh, so obviously, I raised my hand, and that was uh, the the start of a wonderful and a great relation, a great um, uh, career uh, in the United States Air Force. I, I you know, a kid from. From Newark, uh, you know, two years later, find himself in, in um, working with uh, uh, and for the National, National Security Agency with a top secret clearance uh, SCI uh, access. Uh, and, you know, preview to all this intelligence information that, um, that through the channels uh, will at some point get, you know, what's able to get to the decision makers at, the, at National Security. So, you know, you find yourself in a position like that and, and you not only do you feel accomplished, but you feel very proud of, of, of what you're doing. Um, so I spent I spent most of my years, uh, Air Force years in Panama. Uh, actually, uh, once one of the final uh, one of the last people that uh, uh, remained in Panama until we actually turned it over to to the Panamanians at that time. So uh, um, I had a lot of fun. Um, I spent, um, you know, time in, like I said, in Panama, but uh, from there we deployed to multiple countries in Latin America and in Central America as well as the Caribbean. I was uh, able to fly in, not not a pilot, uh, because my my mission was to uh, gather intelligence uh, and and a lot of uh, airborne assets like the AWACS and modified C-130s and all kinds of other aircrafts that... uh, I probably shouldn't talk about, but <laughs> <laughs> no, those are known. Those are known. You're but collecting a, information, right? But it was a great a time. Yes, yep, it was a great yep. time. So, um, so that that led me to um, again uh, my 20 year career. I uh, during my last four, uh, that that's that those were also very interesting. Um, I was able to uh, apply for and get a special assignment with Joint Special Operations Command in Fort Bragg, North Carolina. The other interesting point about that, too, so I, I've kind of always worked for the Army, even though I was in the Air Force. Um, but I was, I was also a runner, so I was able to uh, represent Fort Bragg uh, in, the, uh, in the Army 10-mile team, and as well uh, as, as the Air Force, 
uh, running for um, uh, the Air Force uh, in our first uh, Air Force marathon back, uh, wow, it was a few years. And then my other one was the Marine Corps marathon, but that was, that was only, that was done for fun. Uh, so, so anyway, so I had a, I had a, as you can might have tell, you know, by the way I sound, I, I was very, um, um, very excited and very proud to, to serve. Um, sad to see that, you know, after 20 years, obviously you, you know, you, you find yourself at, at 20 years and, and then you say to yourself, what else can I do? And, and as you move up to the ranks in the military, then you become a little bit more of a administrative person. And, right, and I, right. I always wanted to be out in the, you know, in operations. Um, so my next assignment would have been perhaps to um, San Antonio, Texas. And that's when we pulled the ripcord. Uh, the wife and I decided that it was time. So we decided to, uh, I decided to retire. I'd say we decided to retire. And uh, both from New Jersey. Um, so we, we returned to New Jersey. Uh, and that's when... Uh, I met. I sort of networked my way into Caliper, and that's why I started. Cal- that's why I started my my work with Caliper. Well, that's pretty interesting because you start off with a military background, and a lot of people have. And it, I mean, it's an interesting topic in of itself is that you had to transition from military experience, which was high level, of course, with intelligence, and then transfer that ex- expertise into the private sector. So, what were some of the things you did to kind of leverage that military experience? Because not every, everybody in the military has some. Some people have some trouble with that transitioning back. To civilian life. So, what kinds of things did you do to kind of help transition back into civilian life, as far as that goes? Well, actually, you know, you know, and that continues to be an issue um, because, uh, and you can tell by the number of organizations that are trying to help the military tra- make that ten- transition. And you know, I, 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 I try to do um, trying to do a lot more work uh, with with. Um, develop the, the veterans and, and trying to help them and guide them into you know into through that transition because it's, it's very tough mm-hmm. um so when i when i you know part of the reason that i came back to new jersey too is that um after 20 years um i really wanted to do something different and i've always wanted uh, you know the the world of business always intrigued me so i i Again, I, I, my, my wife was always in banking, so she had a, a sense of, you know, how things operate in that sense. I had no clue. But I knew, what I knew was that I, I didn't want to go and be another contractor for, the, you know, these, these gover- you know, like some of the, the, the suppliers of, of the government. I, I really wanted to just go out and, and explore the, and work with in business. So... Um, that led me to Caliper. Um, again, I networked my way into Caliper, and uh, I have to really, really thank uh, Dr. Herb Greenberg, who who is the founder of Caliper. Unfortunately, he's not with us any longer. He uh, passed uh, um, last January, mm. um, so it's been about a year and a half, a year and eight months or so that he passed. But he was the one that brought me into Caliper. Actually, I worked directly for him. Uh, for all those years, and he was my mentor, and he he was the one that actually pushed me uh, because one of the things that I was lacking was this business savvy and this business experience and how truly really how business operates. And this that's when uh, we made the decision that I was going to go back to school with his support and um, and get my MBA because well, uh, my undergraduate I did it while I was in while I was in the Air Force, but. Um, you know, it was very important uh, for me to uh, bring that type of um, uh, credentials, if you will, 
to Caliper. Um, Caliper, um, we work with a lot of, I, w- I would say, very s- a lot of smart people. And that's one of the things that attracted me to Caliper as well, because in the military intelligence uh, community, you know, you do have a lot of smart people. Obviously, you know, the, the name implies, right? <laughs> I would hope so. Um, so Caliper kind of gave me that sense, and, and, and as soon as w- Caliper's culture is, is, is awesome, as soon as you walk in, you know, you can feel it, you know, you can feel a great culture, um, and, and that, that was, to me, uh, was one of the first indicators that I, I was in the right place. Well, that's great. I mean, yeah, thanks, Ricardo, for taking us kind of through that trip, starting off in Newark, uh, really being kind of underprivileged, you know, and having a difficult time going in the military, which I think is a great option for a lot of people. Um, you got a lot of experience. You worked really hard got connected with uh, the intelligence industry because you were bilingual, which is really important and is very valuable um, in the military and, and sure, sure enough in the business world as well. And then that, uh, after 20 years, you decided to retire and then you're moving on to Caliper. And we're going to talk a little bit more about how your career got started in Caliper and uh, how things are moving from there. This is Master Your Finances with Kurt Baker, certified financial planner professional. Learn about tax efficiency, liability, owning, managing, and saving your money and more. From Kurt and his experienced panel of guests. Master Your Finances is underwritten in part by Certified Wealth Management and Investment and Rider University. Rider University offers flexible education for adult learners. For more information, it's rider.edu slash next step. Welcome back. You're listening to Master Your Finances. I'm Kurt Baker, a certified financial planner professional. I'm here with Ricardo Roman, the director of association management for Caliper Management, Inc. And we've been talking about his uh, early days. Uh, he grew up in uh, Newark and uh, joined uh, the the military, the Air Force, and eventually got involved in special operations due to the, his uh, unique ability, uh, not so unique, I guess he's bilingual, and he really took that opportunity and really leveraged it and moved his way up. After 20 years retired, decided he wanted to get more involved in the business world and connected through networking, which is key, uh, networked his way into Caliper, which is um, a leader in its in its area. And one thing I thought was very interesting in the last segment, you talked about how Herb Greenberg, the founder, really kind of took you under his wing and helped to take uh, what the military really did, which was taught you a lot, um, you know, about systems and, and, and discipline. And, and there's a lot of great things that are learned in the military, which I think a lot of business owners really need to understand. Um, but you had to kind of convert that into the civilian world. And, right. and he really helped you with that process. So tell us a little bit about how that all went and, uh, and, and you know, you're successful today. So how did that, how did that start off as far as with Herb? Yeah, absolutely. One, one of the cool parts about Caliper, and obviously uh, this is what we do for our for our own clients, right, is that um, Herb, back in 19, uh, the late 50s, developed this, um, this assessment called the Caliper Profile, which is actually, you know, the, the genesis of, of the Caliper Corporation that has been in operations now since 1961. And just to kind of take a little step back and tell you how that happened, uh, uh, there was a large uh, insurance uh, company in in New York City that was looking for an assessment that can determine uh, what are the qualities, what what is the personality of the the top-performing salesperson. So if you think, think about it, you know, this is back in the 50s. And really, there was nothing. The only thing that was out there was more of the clinical stuff. Uh, the th- you know, uh, they were testing a lot of people uh, coming back from Korea and, and all that. But everything was more towards clinical purposes. And, and there was nothing that was a little bit more uh, towards uh, motivation and, and, and behaviors and competencies that are related to, to the job. So um, Herb, at that time, he was teaching at Rutgers. 
um, you know, uh, you know how it is. You know, you present a consulting opportunity to a professor, and as Herb used to say, it's like a dog on a bone. Uh, you know, yes, of course. You know, we'll we'll take it and uh, we'll run with that. So him and his partner Dave Mayers uh, went in search for for an instrument that could determine, you know, what are the qualities of a strong salesman. Back then, salesman, right? So we're talking back so, in the fifties. Well, yeah, wow, salesman. Yeah, we don't have salesmen anymore, right? Now we have salespeople, <laughs> salesmen, saleswomen. Uh, so, so, uh, uh, so, so, you know, he took he, he he took it upon himself. Says, well, wait a minute, you know, if we're just, I don't know, uh, when what, when did we land in the moon? Six, so sixty nine. Well, yeah. So through that. <laughs> <laughs> Through that process, I'm a little off here with the timing, but anyway, so his thought was, I, I, you know, that as they were advancing in, in technology and science, why can't we develop something that can measure someone's personality? So he thought it was going to take him three months, four months. It took him actually three <laughs> to four years to, to get this stuff because one of the things that, you know, people should understand is when, when, when you're developing a, an instrument like this, you need data and you need a lot of data. You know, now you have um, a lot of people that use uh, assessments and sometimes these types of assessments, they don't develop themselves. They just use them. Mm-hmm. They get certified, they use it, et cetera, et cetera. But you, you, you do need to use a very valid instrument and for validation, you need uh, a lot of data. Right now, currently, you know, Caliper has about uh, nearly um, four and a half million assessments in our system mm. we don't use four and a half because some of them are you know 60 50 years old but we keep our cur- data very current anyway so so um he went in search right and then he decided to develop this this assessment uh it took him four years and in 1961 he left academia and started what it is now caliper uh it wasn't well received at, you know if you could imagine 1961 Especially people, you know, that really weren't known in that business for that type of instrument. So it it took him a little bit of of time to to get traction. Uh, But the cool part is that um, uh, one of his clients was happened to be the uh, uh, GM, the Buick division. So once he once he got in there, um, they started they started collecting data and data data. And in 1963. He uh, he published in the Harvard Business Review uh, his work. So once that happened, you know they took it took off. The credibility now. Right? That, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That it took off, and for for you entrepreneurs out there, you need to get published. <laughs> right. Maybe. Maybe uh, learn that from so, being a professor. Publish or perish, right? Publish something, you know, that <laughs> will help you, you know, get your name out there. And it, it, you know, it, it's almost uh, you know, it gives you some credibility, mm-hmm. and it gives you that proof of concept, right? So, so once, uh, once, uh, once that was published anyway, so it took off. So everybody that goes to Caliper and everybody that walks through the door at Caliper, and you got to be careful because if I ever invite you, you know, we might have you assess you. Right. <laughs> takes the, everybody. <laughs> takes the assessment. So that's what happened. Actually, what happened with me, uh, I went in, I had a, a scheduled lunch with Herb. And uh, before I went in, he asked me to, uh, to come in an hour earlier. And that's what it was for. He he gave me the assessment, and while we were having lunch, um, he was reading the results. And by the time we were done with lunch, he offered me a job. That's so a quick that, turn. That's time. how it happens. That's a very quick turn time. Yeah, absolutely. So that's you know that's uh, 
that tells you a little bit about well obviously her you know right. it was his puppy right but what what he was looking for was potential right and um potential uh attitude potential um is what really made caliper what it is because that's what we what that's what we bring to the table for companies as a result we lower the risk of hiring people if you can lower the risk of anything right and you're in business mm -hmm. people will buy so we lower the risks of people making a mistake in hiring a, an individual and and you know we can throw numbers around but you know it costs a lot of money to mishire that's right you know you, you you know you have to go through the process you probably didn't offer the job to the better person then you train and then 90 days later you find out that that's the wrong person so that's what happens so that's what we do we we kind of we we minimize that risk to in helping clients make a make the best hire for you know for the position they're looking for right right so that's what happened with caliper so once i was in right then um obviously i already had my undergraduate so they knew i, I a little bit intelligent right <laughs> um, and so then it becomes training and you know, that, that's the whole, that's the whole key. It's like, you have someone with great potential and then you do the training rather than having somebody that knows, let's say about whatever, you, you know, whatever they have great technical capability, but, but they're limited in their potential. Right. So, so it's, 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 it's really, you know, in these days it's really what you need at that point, right. At that time. You might just need someone that, you know, I just need someone to get this done. So that's fine. But if I need somebody that's going to come into my business and, and within the business develop and, and help and become a, a, a greater resource to us, then that, that's another, that's, um, you know, you, ha you have to look at it in a different way. Well, that, that's interesting because I, I know that I've talked to other business owners and some, some like to develop their own people, like basically get somebody young that doesn't know anything about anything about their business and train them in every single aspect of what's going, while others would prefer to have somebody that's experienced and train them in their process. But there's pros and cons to both of those because right. once you learn a process, you're going to constantly, that's, that's your base, right? So is, is that something you get into? Because if I've, if I've been in business for 20 years, I mean, doing a particular job, banking, finance, and I've worked for companies, I've learned their processes and how they do things. That's not necessarily the way the new business owner is going to do things. Right. They might do them a little differently, but you, but some of them recognize, well, there's positives in there, right? But there's also positives in the new process, right? So you have to kind of balance all that out. So does that help with like assessing people and understanding how they work through these processes? Because when you transition jobs, they're going to be different inevitably. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So it's, so, you know, with, uh, with, with the process and our process, uh, you know, we, we bring someone in or um, the company does and we help in that process. Uh, we assess them for that particular job. But then the same data can be used for development. So I can, I can assess someone and, and give uh, feedback to the hiring manager and to the owners as to what is the potential for this individual not to be, not just to be a salesperson, but a sales manager, maybe a team leader, et cetera, et cetera, all the way down up the up the, up the up the ladder because um and each individual each rung has different requirements so you have to understand uh based on those requirements how how strong is this person right and what are the gaps and then you you try to close those gaps 
through coaching or some other development, right? But you know what you have, which is key because now you can surround that person with the proper training to make them successful. Right, yeah, which I think is key. So that's fantastic. I appreciate you kind of walking us through that. So you, your own development, you took, I think that's great, though. You, t- you took their, their assessment test. You sat down with Herb. You had lunch. And, and through analyzing the, the, the data and talking to you and getting additional input, you said right on the spot, this, this person's quality. Obviously, you're still there, so you made the right firing choice, right? That's right. <laughs> so obviously, it was successful, right? And then I think it's really key that you talked a little bit about how um, you're bringing in and you're assessing not just um, to hire but also for the development of that employee once they're there to find out not only the job that maybe you're hiring them for, but maybe additional advancement opportunities later on. And so we'll talk a little bit about you know that and that process when we come back uh, here in a few minutes. This is Master Your Finances with Kurt Baker, certified financial planner professional. Learn about tax efficiency, liability, owning, managing, and saving your money and more from Kurt and his experienced panel of guests. Master Your Finances is underwritten in part by Certified Wealth Management and Investment and Rider University. Rider University offers flexible education for adult learners. For more information, it's rider.edu slash next step. Welcome back. You're listening to Master Your Finances. I'm Kurt Baker here with Ricardo Roman, uh, the Director of Association Management for Caliper Management. He's been uh, kind of taking us through his career a little bit. Um, he was in the military and he networked into Caliper and the owner took him through their assessment process, uh, interviewed him for an hour and he was hired, obviously very successful hire. Um, Ricardo is still with the company and has done very, very well there. And uh, then he explained a little bit about the process of um, what, what's important is just to assess uh, employees uh, initially and then use that data to also help with the development of that particular employee, uh, which is very critical because the cost of hiring and retention of employees tends to be one of the higher costs uh, within a, a corporation. So if you can lower um, the lower the you know the uh, the issues with hiring and, and increase the success rate of hiring the right person for the right job, um, then you're going to be better off uh, as far as the corporation goes and the culture uh, within the corporation itself. So can you tell me a little bit about like how that process works? Like let's say I'm coming in for a job, uh, maybe I want to be you know regional salesperson and things like that, and I take my assessment and maybe that doesn't work out. How can you tell if I'm matching up correctly? Um, are there any specific attributes you're looking for in me? Or, or maybe, maybe you'll shift me to something else. Maybe that's not my job. Maybe it's something else that's better, that may be a better match. How does yeah. all that work? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you should take the assessment Uh-oh, at some point. That's dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so, um, so during the selection process, we take them through the Caliper profile. Now, uh, as I mentioned before, you know, we have an extensive da- data pool of, uh, of, of people. Let's say, let's take the function of sales. And by the way, the function of sales happens to be one of the, uh, from a personality perspective, is one of the toughest ones, right? Because uh, uh, no matter how, how much technical knowledge you have, um, you always have to sell. You've got to close. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have to put yourself out there, et cetera, et cetera. So um, through the years, um, we re- refined uh, what this salesperson looked like. Now, we do have different models. Right. So because there are different types of salespeople. Mm-hmm. So you have new business developers. Right. You have strategic strategic salespeople. Uh, you have someone that are more tactical. Uh, so, uh, some of them, some of them are a little bit more consultative if you will. So, so uh, there's different models. But fundamentally, 
uh, looking at uh, the personality of the salesperson, and these not these these, these personality traits are not are not, not going to be like you know we didn't you know discover the next uh, uh, you know the next planet if you will right it's all here uh, so you have you know you have to be aggressive and aggressive is not you know I'm going to knock down that door if they don't open it it's more like hold your ground mm-hmm. you have to be assertive you have to be persuasive you have to be confident. You have to have good sense of urgency. You gotta. Mm-hmm. You can't be too patient. You gotta move the process forward. You gotta be a risk taker, right? You gotta be somewhat gregarious, sociable, right? And some empathy. All that helps. All that helps, right? So that's what we. That's where we start. And then, depending on the requirements of the job, based on the company's competencies, right? Then we can start matching the person to the job. So first we say, okay, should you be in sales? And by the way, listen to this. 50% of the people currently selling should not be in sales. Wow, that's a pretty high number. Yes. 25% of the people selling should be selling, but they're selling the wrong product or service. Meaning that you might have a consultative salesperson selling, uh, doing cold calls, if you will. And you should, where well, you should have a new business developer. That's new business developer for, for some of the people that on this, that know uh, some of this lingo. You know, it's, it's almost like the challenger salesperson. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- those are the people that should be knocking on doors, making cold calls, etc. They're very competitive. Mm-hmm. The consultative salesperson, obviously, as the name implies, they exercise a little bit more patience. They're a little bit more uh, congruent with, let's say, uh, government contracts. Right. Long process. Mm-hmm. You got to have patience. You got to have <laughs> you got to be accommodating. You got to, you know, things like that. The new business developer doesn't have that patience. So if you put that person in there, they're just going to aggravate your, <laughs> your clients. Right. So you have to be very, very, very careful. So that's where you start. So once you have you once you have that data, you match them to the to the requirements of the role. And if you have a strong match, then we will recommend that you hire. No one's perfect. There's always going to be uh, behavior or competencies that they're not really strong in, but that that uh, that's where you want to start. So it's interesting. What I just heard about that is that if I'm a, if I'm an employer that comes to you, it's not just about what Caliper can offer as far as the analysis. It's it's also about what I as a employer can offer as describing the job. Absolutely. Right. So how how does that process work? Because I come to you and I go. I don't know. I mean, my basic was like I'm like I'm selling cars, but what if I'm selling something a little unusual, like a, a new widget of some kind? I mean, how do you determine like where this may fall, right? Because some of these things aren't necessarily cut and dry, right? Right. right. So, so there's always <laughs> uh, there's always a job analysis with the employer right. because um, you know some of the um, job descriptions out there are horrendous. They they you know is like two pages long where no human can do all these things. <laughs> so we, we have to prioritize. Uh. Okay, so I can tell you that, you know, any sales job description, I, we can probably describe it in five different functions, right? Yeah. I mean... You can and, boil it right down. Yeah, yeah exactly. And some of them are counterintuitive. Like, I want somebody that's very competitive, but then I want somebody that's very detail-oriented. Can't have both. Mm-hmm. That's why there's great CRMs. That's why there's great technology to be able to support that person that has no patience for that kind of stuff. Because 
what you want is to emphasize the strength of the salesperson, not, not, you know, kind of try to uh, fix their weaknesses, because in in reality they are not weaknesses, because it's almost like a guacamole, right? So if you if you try to <laughs> increase the detail orientation, you know, the all this minutia stuff, you're taking away from their strength. So then what you get is somebody that blah. You know, right? Well, I, I can understand that person yeah, if back. If you're a high level concept person selling something, right, and you start trying to get into the minutia, that you're actually going to like drag your brain down a little bit because exactly. now, you're, now you're trying to think. You're almost getting distracted from the overall conversation with with the person, right? The person is about here's here's my goals and objectives, of what right. I want to do. Yeah, there's a lot of detail behind it, but you need to have systems and things in place to kind of support all that. To, you know, it's going to happen exactly. But you, as the front end person, don't necessarily. Have, and you, you probably don't want to because you might even confuse your client a little bit if you if you go back into the detail side of it. That's more of a process aspect. Oh, yeah, absolutely. In Caliper, yeah. we have three functions that touch the client. So we have the new business developer, we have an account manager, and we have an account advisor. Three different mm-hmm. roles just to because we know that the business developer shouldn't be exercise, you know, doing the functions of the account advisor. So those are two different uh, personality types. That's true. So, so that's that's where <laughs> that's where it gets a little muddy by by some of uh, some um, some of the folks that you know grew up in that era. Well, if you put your no, you know, if you put your if you know if you really really work hard, you could be successful. No, if you're in the right role that plays to who you are, that plays to your core strengths. That's when you become successful. And the people that um, are insightful enough to know that, they also will be the type of people that probably do not take a job because it's not something for them. And mm-hmm. they realize that, you know. Some of the top performers do that. The top of, a top performer will go into a company and will walk right out because they know exactly what they're looking for. Right. And if that company doesn't have it, they're out because what what – they're not, they, they know they're not going to be, be able to be successful, as successful as they can be in a company like that. Well, so it's interesting. So what I heard here, you know, it sounds like from a corporate perspective, they're going in, they're analyzing the employees. Is there something an employee can do to self-analyze a little bit and determine whether or not they think they might be doing the right things? Are they in the right? Or is this uh, because a lot of people out there work and saying, I'm not really happy with my job. Maybe they're not matched. Absolutely. Maybe that's what's going on. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the, we, we know ourselves very well. Some, some of us are in denial, but we do know ourselves very well. Right. And, you know, something might sound very fun to do as a salesperson. Let's say, for example, you know, you hear always, oh, salespeople always going out to dinner and, you know, taking clients to, you know, 52 no plug here, but you know what I'm saying. Right, 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 right. Here's the difference, though. I might enjoy going out to lunch and, and meeting with you and having great conversations and laughing, maybe having, you know, happy hour, whatever. Okay, let's go. But that, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, but, but that's it, right? right. There, there is After no, that, there's, yeah. not a pr- there's no pressure on me. Right. Now, if as a salesperson, if I'm taking you out and you're my prospect, that's a different dynamic. Mm-hmm. Because Absolutely. now I'm not having lunch with you. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm actually, this is process. This is, you know, uh, part of the process of selling you. So I better come back with a, some type of commitment. So that's different, right? right. So, oh, absolutely. So people in sales, 
uh, people that are not sales might see the salesperson having fun, but they have to realize that that salesperson is actually working. Right. Because his job is going to be dependent on how, you know, what, what he does with that relationship. Yeah, I've heard of that. I mean, that's very interesting you should say that because I remember years ago somebody said there were, they were like, there was an assistant and there was the salesperson right. and they were talking about how each of them had it easier. Yeah. And what, what the employer did is they actually switched them for a period of time to let them know what each other did. Absolutely. And they both were like, I want to go back to do what I was doing before yep. because there, you know, there, there's strengths, as you point out, you know, if you're comfortable talking to people and, and moving them along the road as far as to a decision, that's a whole other skill set than analyzing all the details and making sure things are staying on track and making sure everything's done for the, the tasks that are done for the day that need to be done. Very different. Very right. different, uh, you know, abilities, so to speak. And that's Absolutely. why it's good when you match them up because then the whole thing gets done, right? Exactly. So, exactly. Um, yeah, that's fantastic. So you kind of walked us through the kind of the analyzing and making sure you're in the right place. And the employers need to really kind of set up their job descriptions and, and basically boil it down to, you know, like that those five items and, and try to prioritize what's important in the job, match that up with the employee through the assessment process and, and connect them to the right job. And uh, when we come back from the break, we'll talk a little bit about what's happening next because we know business is changing and the employer-employee thing has changed. A lot going on out there as far as uh, employment goes and we'll talk about that when we return in just a few minutes. This is Master Your Finances with Kurt Baker, certified financial planner professional. Learn about tax efficiency, liability, owning, managing, and saving your money and more from Kurt and his experienced panel of guests. Master Your Finances is underwritten in part by Certified Wealth Management and Investment and Rider University. Rider University offers flexible education for adult learners. For more information, it's rider.edu slash next step. Welcome back. You're listening to Master Your Finances. I'm Kurt Baker, a certified financial planner professional here with Ricardo Roman, uh, Director of Association Management for Caliper Management. And we've been talking about uh, employee uh, assessment and lining people up with the right jobs and, and how important that is to uh, the long-term success of the employee as well as the business owner to really match that up correctly, put people in the right jobs and train them uh, to their talents um, as opposed to trying to, to train them for the things that they aren't doing well at. The, the, take their talent area, the things that they're naturally good at and just uh, expand that and make that better. Um, but we know there's a lot happening out there as far as uh, the employment landscape is changing i think quite a bit uh we hear a lot about more about automation and you know there's more you know so what do you see as far as the next phase of what's going to happen uh the employer employee um world coming going forward right so uh so now we're looking at what what's going to be the impact of technology and let's say let's give us a five-year window right uh during the last 10 for example um the 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 company with the one of the largest market cap was Exxon, right? Followed mm-hmm. by GE and then Microsoft. But you also had Citigroup and some other um, oil companies. Um, now, the companies with the largest market cap, and you probably know this, Apple. Yeah, they right? hit nine hundred billion. Alpha, yeah, <laughs> Alphabet. Yeah. Microsoft is still yeah. there. Amazon, right? So, so you can see, you can see where, where we're going with that. So, um, so how, how, do we, how do we put that uh, human element not to be, you know, we don't want to become technology, right? 
we want to use technology the right way. So there, there's, a, there's a lot of implications, uh, you know, when it comes to that, as to what are going to be these new skills that we need to possess in order to be successful. Uh, you know, when I first went in the Air Force in 1980, um, we were still using floppies and punch cards and all that stuff. And, and I know that uh, people that are in my age group are probably kicking themselves in the butt for not, let's say, buying Apple, Microsoft, whatever, right? So we missed the boat. So what I'm saying now is start embracing what's coming because it's going to come. And it's going to grow faster than it did in the last 10 years. So in the next five uh, the growth is going to be exponentially because, you know, everything's going to be connected. AI is, is here and, and, it, and it's going to get even more powerful because technology this is definitely replacing, you know, what it used to be, the oil, right? Mm. So that's happening. So some of, the, um, some of the human, you know, elements that we can bring to the table is, um, and what you're going to see is... Um, Teams that can solve very complex issues. Critical thinking. Creativity. So a lot of that, uh, what we will term like the right brain stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Left brain, this algorithmic, uh, you know, uh, kind of work that we used to do. Uh, in, a, in a funny way, we were the computers back in the... Uh, Back in the sixties and forties or Not whatever, right? Using a slide rule anymore? Exactly. <laughs> so we were the ones, you know, grabbing something with the right hand, put it in in the socket, turning the you know the wrench, put in another one. We were kind of like the mm -hmm. the the technology, right? Now we're not. So now now we have systems that can do that, but we still control those. Mm -hmm. So so for us, you know, um, the whole that whole this whole area of of uh, critical thinking um, is going to be it's going to be the key. Um, people management is definitely going to be the key, right? Uh, coordination with others, and you know the one the 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 big the big two letters that everybody throws around is emotional intelligence, but it's true. That's what that's those are the type of things that are going to be key because technology we're just going to use it to to uh supplement you know this ar archaic way of working with systems and processes anything that could be processed it's going to be taken away it's going to be out of the hands of the human being right mm -hmm. so in the future and what what does the world of work look like that's what you're going to have to look for the humans that are you know that are very creative and, and very problem solving uh, open, flexible, all those, again, all those areas that are more uh, the right brain. So we still, you know, we still run into people that um, are very stuck in the past. And, um, you know, maybe they say, well, I'm too old for this or whatever. I'm just, you know, I need five more years and I'm retired, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, uh, but maybe those are the people that are making decisions now. So, so, you know, we have to get in this game because China's coming strong. 
and you know they're, they're t- taking no prisoners here right um so we have we have to you know get in front of this so how do we how do we convert our workforce because whether you're an employer or an employee if certain talents are going to become more and more important, like emotional intelligence and really communicating and network, because we're still going to have human con- connection, right? That's we're right. We still have social connections. We're still going to want to do things together, regardless right. of how much uh, technology is out there. In fact, I read an article recently that said some of the younger people are actually backing off on technology because they're literally 24-7 have technology around them. They're kind of like, to them, it's because, it's almost like fate. They're like, it's too much, right? They want time to themselves. They want quiet time. So things are changing as far as their perception of it but but the bottom line is we're people right right and so we want to do things we want to enjoy things and my my personal thought is that well that's going to leave us with more leisure time or social time that's right i think it's going to be ultimately a positive but you're going to have all these people that are that are trained you know that know how to turn a wrench that may not necessarily need we don't may not need that as many of those people anymore but there's other things that we're going to need right so we've got to run that machine absolutely right so how do we kind of prep for that? I mean, what are some things we should be doing as employers as well as employees? to Because it's going to happen fast, as you mentioned. So how do we start getting ready, right? What do we do? What can we do now? Well, I mean, you know, the fact of the matter is that some people are really are going to be, uh, they're going to lose their jobs. Those jobs are going to be gone. And, and I, I think that's, that's already here, right? So it, it's, in, it's been in the news and, and, you know, people trying to figure out what to do. So uh, obviously retraining will be a key, but but then again, you know, retraining who? So just like uh, I went into Caliper, uh, not knowing anything about psychological assessments and and uh, competencies, mapping, and, and you know, uh, team analysis and all this stuff, um, I had the I had the complex problem solving skills, the critical etc. that helped me. Um, navigate right that process but so that that's going to be basically what i'm saying here is that you know for the people that are coming up they they have to realize that they they have to start thinking that way Mm -hmm. right they have to because um uh you can't you know you can't be uh that kind of person that's only you know this is what i'm gonna this is what i do and this is what i do you know very concrete concrete linear thinkers right you're gonna have to start um uh being a little bit more open and flexible when it comes to uh embracing you know this new way of of working right so it sounds like change is coming so uh you know just like uh, we primarily had a lot of farmers in the united states um most of those are gone it's a much smaller segment doesn't mean we went away we have a lot more finance people a lot more banking a lot more technology people now um we're going to go into that next phase where that's going to continue to happen where things are going to become more automated um we'll have more time so i think it becomes even more important uh essentially what caliper does and what you know is to analyze what is your skill set and what strengths do you have and how does that kind of fit in to the new jobs that are coming out, which are going to require maybe less of the hands-on or, or, or straight uh, linear thinking because the computer will do a lot of right. that stuff. Right? Exactly. A lot of that stuff you can look it up e- easily or you can uh, you have a computer that will take care of it for you. Um, but you've got to assimilate that data. You've got to put it into action. You've got to use it. Um, so that's going to become much more important. So I think it's really important for all of us, wherever we are in the workspace, um, to really kind of understand that that process is happening and we just need to stay uh, prepped up with it. And Ricardo, we appreciate you coming on today and kind of taking us through your journey uh, from Newark all the way through the Air Force Intelligence, taking care of Panama Force down there, uh, transitioning into Caliper um, through your skill set.
said, and I love the fact that you were hired within an hour because of the uh, the screening, and, and it's obviously a successful hire because you're still there, and how now in the future it's going to become much more important for us to really be kind of, um, you know, that emotional intelligence you mentioned is to really kind of connect um, and really kind of stay on track with what skill sets we have and how that matches up with the jobs as those um, jobs continue to change. Um, so we appreciate you very much. Uh, you've been listening to Master Your Finances, and I'm Kurt Baker, which and I can be reached at 609-716-4700, or the website, which is www.cwmi.us. If you have any questions about this or any uh, other information on our shows, uh, the uh, Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash Master Your Finances. Again, you can listen to this podcast or any of our podcasts at uh, www.masteryourfinances.us. Together we can master your finances so you can reach financial peace of mind. That was this week's episode of Master Your Finances with Kurt Baker, certified financial planner professional. Tune in every Sunday at 9 a.m. to expand your knowledge in building and managing your wealth. Missed an episode? No worries. You can subscribe to a free weekly episode of Master Your Finances to listen to on your favorite podcasting platform. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever. Master Your Finances is underwritten in part by Certified Wealth Management and Investment and Rider University. Rider offers continuing studies programs for adults who need flexibility. Want to add new skills to your resume? Take a continuing studies course at Rider University.